But when Villa, uh, what is her name? Villa, Villa, it's 5 a.m. What is her name? Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime. Hold your ears, folks. Here we go. See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat them up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be talking about the big sick. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, what piece of media do you like to consume when you get sick? I'm Lawson Soward, an art director in Nashville, Tennessee. And there, that's one of the best things about getting sick is being able to have an excuse to watch something. Um, I think my favorite thing to watch whenever I get sick is... The Great British Bake Off, because it feels like a warm blanket. It's so comforting. Mm, that is a really good one. Uh, I'm Lucas Wright, a designer in the Bay Area, and for me, I like to watch 30-minute comedies, because when I'm sick, I sleep a lot. So things like Friends, uh, New Girl, The Office, things like that. Those are my jams. I'm Sandra Omstedt. I'm a social media manager from Nashville, Tennessee, and I usually watch um, You've Got Mail, my favorite movie. Um... One, because it's my favorite movie and it makes me feel better, but also because there's a great little scene where Meg Ryan is sick in that movie. And I it's feel true. like, I'm Meg Ryan. Maybe someone <laughs> come and bring me daisies. <laughs> so, oh, all right. Um, let's get started. Lucas, what are you feeling yes. this week? This week I'm feeling the return of Game of Thrones. I wish your pick was like culturally relevant, but go ahead. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. So you, you, I know neither of you guys watch Game of Thrones anymore. Uh, that or did you at one time? Go ahead, Sandra. I've never watched it, but man, okay. being on Twitter Sunday night, oh my I gosh, real, I know, real lonely. Wish, <laughs> it, the show doesn't appeal to me at all, but yeah. being involved in like the hubbub yeah. really does appeal to me. Yeah, I watched the first four <laughs> seasons and then gave up, but made the mistake of talking to some friends at work about how much I enjoyed watching the first four seasons. And they took that to mean that I'm still watching it. And so all of last year, I was involved in Game of Thrones specific lunch conversations where I just nodded my head. And they made it official this year. Oh, no. And, like, turned it into a club lunch. And I still don't watch it. (laughs) But now it's, like, too late. It's, like, who would... I can't be, like... It you were there like for the a, whole last season discussion, so why it, would you bail now? <laughs> it feels like a Seinfeld situation. It's like I can't yeah. pretend that I did watch it for six seasons and then gave up on the final season. It's just like <laughs> I think I may actually start watching it again so that I can oh my those gosh. lunches aren't going to be like minefields of realizing <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, I, I, I love it. It's back. Um, we got the first episode on Sunday. And this show, it's, it was just a reminder because they took a longer break. 
um, than they have in the past. And just coming, watching this first episode of season seven um, was really a reminder of how good the writing is on this show. I think it is, it's a very complicated story with way too many characters, and they do just a fantastic job of really basic, simple writing, um, telling this story in a very tight way, um, which I, is just so impressive for a, a show of this scale. Um, what I am really excited for is that we are getting to the end of this show, <laughs> and after saying how much I loved it, um, I, I, I love watching auteurs finish stuff. And so, like watching a, a show, wrap, you know, try and try and wrap itself up, um, and is is always really intriguing to me. And they do have one more season after this, um, but as they're kind of coming to a head in this season, I'm very curious to see how this will end. I am also a book reader, and so I, <laughs> I, I now we are we are way past where the books are, and so I'm excited also to be spoiled like, spoiled for the books. But um, I think I think like honestly, this show gets a lot of hype around like the spectacle of it and kind of uh you know who's getting killed today kind of a situation but really a lot of this is is character drama um and characters in rooms having conversations which is a genre of tv that i love (laughs) that was the stuff that whenever there was a bunch of violence and uh frankly a lot of sexual violence and stuff that just made it to where like i couldn't watch the show anymore yeah those character moments were the things that kept me in as long as I was there. And mm-hmm. I've heard that, especially season six, there's so much payoff. Um, there's so much of after, um, you know, women being uh, subjects of, of violence and so much, which would seem accurate uh, for the historical fantasy-ish setting that they've done it. Now a bunch of women are coming into power. A bunch of loose threads are tying up, like... That is all really interesting to me, and I'm really like glad that it's been moving that way, and I'm really interested to see how it wraps up too. Even though I've, I've missed this much, so I may just like watch some YouTube recaps and and jump back in because that's it's all the kind of stuff it. that I was wishing would happen earlier. Whenever I already yeah. really cared about these characters. Okay. Yeah, definitely. May I recommend my favorite Game of Thrones recapper? Even though I don't watch the show, <laughs> every now and then I watch the recap videos that Funny or Die does called Gay of Thrones. And <laughs> it, yes, um, yes. A fabulous hairdresser guy that um, does like a comedian's or celebrity's hair while they recap Game of Thrones um, in a very scripted, funny way. And. Um, I get a bl- I really enjoy it even though I've never seen an episode. <laughs> okay, that's good to I'll know. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, I looked at I tried to find some and a lot of them assume a lot of knowledge. So the fact that you yeah. never watched it and still enjoy those and get something I mean, from it. I don't great. know how informative they are. Like <laughs> yeah. they're definitely fun. Um, <laughs> and I really really wish Have y'all seen the clip uh from Seth Meyers show? where he had Leslie Jones and him watch an episode of Game of Thrones yes. together. Yeah. Yes. I've rewatched that, hilarious. that clip <laughs> so many times. Again, never watched Game of Thrones, but I love that so much. I would adore, I would start watching Game of Thrones if 
Seth Meyers and Leslie Jones did that on a regular basis. <laughs> um, okay, well, thank you so much, Lucas. Lawson, what are you feeling this week? All right, so I am feeling one particular pop culture rabbit hole um, this week that started by listening to uh, the latest episode of Another Round. Have you guys listened to this podcast? Um, I've picked, I have not. I've picked and listened to like a couple of episodes, but I don't listen to it regularly. Gotcha. Yeah, it's not... It's not an every episoder for me. Um, I'll. It depends on how many other podcasts I've wrapped up, or uh, if they have a, a host that I'm or a guest rather that I'm particularly interested in. But it's a great show. It's really well done. The hosts Heaven and Tracy are hilarious and um, just really thoughtful and positive, and talk about self care regularly in a way that is just so great. And I'm. I'm just like really into their whole thing. I love their show. Um, they're both writers for BuzzFeed. It's a BuzzFeed-produced podcast. Um, and this latest episode was called Trap Improv with Sashir Zameda. So Sashir Zameda, you may know from uh, Saturday Night Live. Um, I didn't know that this past season was her final season, um, but they talk about that a little bit. They talk a lot more about uh, her new comedy special, which just released on CISO with the audio releasing on Spotify, called Pizza Mind, uh, P-I-Z-Z-A Mind. Uh, and yeah, it's just like a really funny, interesting conversation, um, a great podcast episode um, that I would highly recommend. I think the whole thing is worth listening to, and it's great. Um, I also, because of that, jumped over and listened to Peace of Mind on Spotify because I don't have CISO. And it's so good. It's strangely for a stand-up comedy special. It is so full of rage, <laughs> but it is still so funny um, and so uh, incisive. And I, I just, I really, really liked it. And one of the things she talks about in her special, um, which I identified with, was how much she... Ex experiences people uh, expecting her to be more like the the sketches she's done on Saturday Night Live um, because she's never done a stand-up comedy like an hour special before and so it was very uh, like interesting to see this whole other side of her which I kind of realized is kind of the first side of her like the sides I've seen of her all been like characters in a four-minute sketch or whatever um, so I already really liked Sushio Zameda, and now I like her a lot more. Her special is great. Her perspective is awesome. Um, on Spotify, you can tell uh, there's a portion of her special that is animated because um, there's all like these sound effects that start clicking in, and it makes me really wish I had CISO so that I could see the animation that she put together. Um, but again, even if you just have Spotify, I highly recommend that. So all of these things, that those two things came from... Uh, it's just one podcast listen, but additionally, there's this uh, this sketch that Sashir Zameda mentions in uh, in her interview that she worked on with a really close friend of hers. Um, whenever her uh, basically Tracy and Heaven are talking about how uh, improv is kind of like Def Jam for white people. So whenever they're talking through that, Sahir Zameda is reminded of one of her favorite UCB sketches that she ever worked on, and one of her friends directed um, a recording of it for YouTube. And uh, let me see what the title of it is, because I don't want to get it wrong. Okay, the title is 
Garfield Def Jam Comedy. So it's basically Def Jam style comedy for three minutes all about the Garfield comic strip. <laughs> and it's amazing. I'm just going to play a little bit of it. Real quick. Stand up! Because it's time for Garfield Def's Comedy Jam. It's your favorite Def Jam comics doing their best jokes about the comic strip Garfield. They're going to be talking about lasagna. Garfield loves lasagna, right? Right? He does every single day. Garfield eats so much lasagna. He go to the litter box. He pisses tomato sauce. I mean, Garfield. Yeah, so. <laughs> very emotional premise that every single place in which they flesh out is perfect, and I just love the premise. Like, it's such a funny video. It's serious. It's one of the funnier sketches that I've seen in a really long time. So, I wanted to recommend another round. I wanted to recommend the specific episode of another round. I want to recommend Sashusa Meta's Stand Up Hour Pizza Mind, and I want to recommend. If you don't want to get into any of those hour-long pieces of media, that you at least definitely check out Garfield Def Comedy Jam uh, on UCB's channel on YouTube. I'm super glad that you brought this up, Lawson. I just recently heard her on a different podcast, Lost Culturistas, and um, I'm very in like a Shasir Zamata place right now. Um, and so um, I'm going to definitely check this out. I do have CISO. And so I'm going to go watch the whole special. Ooh. I'm excited. Show off. <laughs> Every subscription service. Um, okay, well, thank you for that. Uh, this week, I am feeling um, very broadly just a bunch of reality TV. I was thinking to myself about what I'm feeling this week, and I realized that Every TV show that I'm watching right now is a reality TV show. Um, summer is very much like reality TV heavy. Most of my scripted shows are on a break. So um, very big into this. And I just thought since reality TV, I know, does not excite either of you the way it excites me. Um, I was just going to rattle off a bunch of the ones that I'm watching for any of my fellow reality TV lovers that might be listening. I don't know if that's um, fair. I do like reality TV. It just has to be based in the UK and be about baking. Right, Same. Which barely, I don't even count that as reality TV that's show. Fair. I count that as like feel good nonsense for weak people. Um, <laughs> well, that's how we feel about your TV as well. Yeah, oh. yeah. Okay. So, um, the new season of Big Brother just started. I'm very into that. Um, I'm watching live feeds. I'm watching every episode. Um, every year I start Big Brother and then I get overwhelmed and I never finish it because it is three episodes a week. Um, and this year I think is going to be the year that I finish the season because I'm really invested in the players this year. Um, I'm also watching MasterChef. I watch every season of that. Gordon Ramsay um, is very attractive and comforting to me. And I recently learned from MasterChef how to make perfect scrambled eggs. And I've been making a lot of them lately. So um, I'm learning. And uh, of course, I'm watching all, uh, uh, I'm watching The Bachelorette, Lucas and I. I know Lucas, I've got you there. You do. We're watching that show. Um, and, uh, we're nearing the end of that. And I'm watching, of course, all of my Bravo shows. We're watching Real Housewives of New York City, which continues to be a gem. Um, 
I'm rewatching or not rewatching, excuse me. I'm I'm going back and I'm watching old season of Vanderpump Rules that I never watched. So I kind of watched Vanderpump Rules out of order and I'm going back now and watching the seasons I missed. And I just recently finished season two. And let me tell you, season two of Vanderpump Rules might be some of the best reality TV I've ever seen. It's so compelling. The characters are so crazy. And um, it's some of the darkest things I've ever seen on television. Um, you know, we all love like prestige TV that examines like really dark characters and like flawed humanity. And let me tell you, it doesn't get more interesting and flawed than the people on Vanderpump Rules. Um, I can't believe this show. So I've been really loving that. And I just started the new season of Real Housewives of OC, which I'm, it's the original Real Housewives show for y'all who don't watch Real Housewives. And um, this season is ready to go off. I just want to play a little clip of the trailer from this season that they, they released this trailer and they also started the first episode with this trailer because they knew how good it is. Um, Bravo makes excellent trailers for their TVs. They really know how to cut together stuff for like the perfect amount of drama. And the end of the Real Housewives of OC season 12 trailer um, is chilling to me. So I want to play a little bit of that. Dear Lord, give us strength and knowledge just to know how to be good friends. Do you know if Eddie's gay or not? Liar. You're a liar. Every time I'm with you, it's drama. Every time. I pray that you could give wisdom. Somebody's not telling the truth. We have a new puppet master. And just cover them in love. She's so evil. You want to throw a bomb? I'm going to throw a nuke. You bring it up again, I'm going ballistic. You are a god of new beginnings and forgiveness. I'll make you look like a fool. You're, You're not f***ing at me. Ouch! Stop! I believe in prayers. Oh my oh. gosh. It's so good. Ugh. Oh, so that season just started and I'm very excited for it to be back. Um, yeah, I think that's all the reality TV I'm watching right now. Um, MVP though is Vanderpump Rules. If you ever want to see what amazing, amazing reality TV looks like, I would say first season of Vanderpump Rules is not so great, but then the rest of it is incredible. So that's my reality TV catch up. And I thank you guys for sitting through it. Yeah. I'm very glad that people who love reality TV have that resource now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's move on to something else I really want us to talk about before we get into the big sick. Um, I saw, we've been seeing a lot of movies this summer because it's summertime. Um, there is a, a trailer I saw before Spider-Man that I watched this trailer and I turned to my friend who I was with and I was like, ugh, I would never want to see that. I hate movies like that. God, why would anyone want to go see that? And this was the trailer for a movie called Geostorm. Did y'all see that trailer before Spider-Man? Yes. Um, I don't think it was before Spider-Man for okay. me. I've seen the same so, trailers before the past four movies that I've seen. <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> the trailer that I'm talking about, I believe it's the teaser trailer if you're Googling it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it is like very evocative of those like classic um, natural disaster movies. It's called Geostorm. And it like has 
a creepy version of a pop song playing. And it's just shot after shot of, like, natural disasters destroying the world. Um, and I can't ever imagine wanting to see a movie like that. So I, was, so I clocked it. I was like, okay, another one of those is coming out. Again, it reminds me of, like, San Andreas Fault or 2012. Those are the movies that are coming to mind. Um, and then, right before the, seeing The Big Sick, another trailer for Geostorm came up. And it was like it was a completely different movie. Yep. Um, if you're Googling, um, the second trailer that I'm referring to for Geostorm is called Official Trailer 2. And this movie makes it look like a wacky comedy that just happens to have some natural disasters. We have Gerard Butler and Jim Sturgis and Andy Garcia cracking jokes. There's some like fun rock music playing throughout the whole thing. Um, I was just in awe of like the differences of these two trailers and I wanted us to chat about it. It is so interesting to me that your reaction was gross generic movie and then like movie that I'm interested in seeing because I wouldn't say I'm interested in seeing okay it. okay <laughs> but I will say that I was it, it definitely was more appealing um but I was mostly just in awe of like how different these movies seemed and yet they're the same movie it really is amazing the second one yeah the second movie trailer feels so much smaller in scope and it feels so much more like uh i don't know i the way you just i can't describe it better than the way you described it i guess but i the premise of this movie whenever i saw the trailer i thought was actually or the teaser i guess i thought was actually really interesting i thought the way that they were going to flesh it out was going to be generic and uninteresting but the idea of um like having satellites in the sky that are able to disperse like uh, pellets of explosions or whatever else to break up storm systems because of how intense global warming gets feels very uh, kind of black mirror, I guess. It reminds me of like whenever um, there's the episode with all like the bees that uh, they get robot bees to yeah. replace and pollinate stuff. Like humanity comes up, makes a terrible situation, and we use technology to try and solve it. So when I saw that, I was like, huh, that's a really interesting premise. It's too bad they're just using a, a sea of CGI destruction to talk about that premise. But part of me also thought maybe they're just showing all the expensive shots right now. Maybe, you know, their marketing department is like, we got to show these. This is what gets the butts in the seats. But in fact, they might do some really interesting kind of commentary about um, climate change, and there might be some really compelling story at, in the middle of this. And then the second trailer came out, and I was like, oh, nope, no, there isn't. <laughs> I was not interested <laughs> in any of the yep. character stuff that was going on, any of the lines they were delivering, the, none of the jokes worked with me. And so I, in a sense, I'm like thankful to the second trailer, because I feel like if you saw the teaser and then went into the movie, you'd be like, well, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. Um, I th the second trailer really gives you a sense of what you're going to get out of this movie. Um, and I get the impulse to like, you know, the idea when you're sitting in a writer's room and like, what if we had a satellite that controlled the weather? I get the, like, 
that's not a whole story. Like you have to wrap that idea around a story, but the story that they're wrapping this around is also something that I'm like not interested in. So the first one I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll wait for the word of mouth. And the second trailer, I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm tapped. I on. I honestly think that this is just Warner Brothers marketing department because I mean they've they've done the same thing with obviously all of their DC films is just like on the trailers it's like well let's ratchet up the comedy and like turn everything that direction um, and so I'm curious if that their just whole marketing department is every movie put in more jokes and that's just what we're gonna show in the trailers now I wonder if that's just and their mindset now the jokes are like extremely noticeable because i believe the first trailer mm-hmm. doesn't have any dialogue in it right no um, yeah but the music is to me like in addition to the jokes is what stands out so much to have this like somber creepy music in the trailer and then in the in the, in the teaser trailer and then in the second trailer to be like to show shots of destruction with like fun time rock and roll as if it's just like another fun action sequence yeah and not like the world ending um is it's so bizarre yeah the first trailer i think is a young girl singing what a wonderful world with like one piano note every two minutes like it's so (laughs) creepy and ominous and then the second one is just a raucous good time it's like wow let's do this yeah (laughs) All right, well, I didn't have much else to say about that, but I was so in awe of how strange it was that I felt like we really should get into it. No, so, I'm glad you, you brought it up. I have never experienced two different trailers portray what looked like two such different movies. Definitely. Right, and it was like back to back, like one week after another, seeing it was just so bizarre. It's almost like they don't expect... Oh, the people who go see Spider-Man wouldn't go see the big six. So we can, like, keep them different audiences. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an interesting but idea. They're wrong because we <laughs> did go see the big sick and we did go see Spider-Man. So let's talk about the big sick. As younger. First of all, let's talk about our expectations of this movie and you know what we knew about it before going in lucas what did you know about the big sick before you watched it yeah i so i follow camille nanjiani on on twitter and so like he's been tweeting about him making this movie for a long time and so i have been really excited to kind of see what came out of this I i don't listen to him or emily's podcast um or have heard their story before um but having this movie kind of based on a relate on a real relationship by the author I thought was really interesting and curious to see kind of what came out of it and so I like going into this movie I was ready for a kind of a traditional rom-com even though I'd heard people say like this is not a traditional rom-com I was like this is a rom-com so let's let's see what you got (laughs) (laughs) um and I was so surprised by it like it is it is really thoughtful it is really really well directed uh Michael Showalter well Showalter who uh, also directed my name is Doris last Amazing. year um, directed this and he uh, I don't like it's not like he does like you know crazy camera work or anything like that but just the way he um, tells the story and the way he kind of frames it and the actors that he gets are just incredible um, Holly Hunter is my jam in this movie mm-hmm. I yeah. I want every movie to have Holly Hunter in it now so <laughs> she is she needs to come back and do way more things. So, 
But I, I, I love this movie. Lawson, what was your, how did you um, experience The Big Sick? Ah, man, I, I think this is my favorite romantic comedy now. Um, it's, it's so, so good. Um, I would agree it doesn't follow, um, it, it, it's hard to quantify genre in a certain way. It doesn't feel like a genre entry. It feels like it's kind of like, it definitely um, lives in that genre, um, but it also does some things that I haven't ever seen in that genre before. So it may just be an expansion of the genre, but uh, it's it's such a good movie. I, um, Sandra, you and I both listened to Pete Holmes' podcast, You Made It Weird, a lot. And he has talked so much, especially in the early days of his podcast about how much he looks up to the relationship of Emily and Kumail and um, Kumail was on that podcast several times and they you know talked about their story a little bit and I think Pete even said on the podcast at one point like oh man y'all's y'all's story would make such a good movie (laughs) and it did it made such a good movie um I I didn't know uh what to expect from a uh husband wife uh, writing duo, even though I've been like in love with all the writing that they've done separately, and I should have guessed that it would have been um, so good to have their their kind of uh, strengths combined in this way. You just you never know how that's going to turn out, and it turned out very well. Um, they didn't follow a traditional three act structure. They did a lot of things that you're not supposed to do in the way that you lay out a movie, and it works. Um, it also works in feeling like one of the most authentic um, romance uh, stories that I've seen on screen without feeling like it's not a movie, you know? Like, part of the reason that romantic comedies are so... I'm saying this with, like, a infinitesimal amount of authority on the subject compared to Sandra, but part of the reason romantic comedies are so much fun to watch is because of some of the, um, the magic and um, the stuff that only happens in the movies. Um, and the way that movies are structured and come together. And uh, this movie still works as a film. It doesn't feel meandering. It doesn't feel like a documentary. It doesn't feel like there's no um, payoff. Everything comes together so well. But it tells a story of a relationship in a way that doesn't clean up any of the mess. Um, You know, I'm sure when they're writing it, not everything is 100% accurate, but um, it felt so much more true to life that um, these relationships that we're seeing on screen, whether it's Holly Hunter and Ray Romano or um, Kumail Nanjiani and... Uh, oh, I, I feel terrible. What's her name? Zoe Kazan. Zoe Kazan. Um, they, they take... They interact in this movie in ways that I've seen people interact <laughs> in real life and in they argue in ways that I've seen people argue and... Um, they start dating in ways that I've seen people start dating with like arbitrary rules that you work out in your 20s because they seem like they make sense uh, for like the way that you date somebody but really in retrospect seem like kind of a jerk move. Just all of these small little touches in this movie make it feel so, so real. And um, it's kind of like, uh, I'm sure I'm going to get the phrase wrong, but the the height of universality is specificity. Like this movie is so specific that it felt incredibly universal. Like I identified with so much of it. Um, and I'm not, you know, I am not a first generation immigrant to this country. My parents didn't come from another culture. 
Um, there are so many things that are so specific that I was so glad to see on the screen that I haven't seen before, particularly pertaining to uh, Camille's family. But um, even though that's a very different thing, the way that this movie deals with um, religion and um, and parental expectations and so many other things, it's just really, really refreshing, really incredibly written, really beautifully realized. I, yeah, I want everyone to see this movie. Um, I agree with both of y'all. I knew a lot about this story going into it. Again, like you said, Lawson, because I'm a big fan of um, the couple that it's based on and, and their personalities and their careers. Uh, I'm also, as we all know, a huge rom-com fan. And um, this movie for me is going to go down as one of the best rom-coms of the decade we're in. Um, they're, they don't make rom-coms, at least not as films. I feel like they do at, on TV a lot now. Um, but they don't make film romantic comedies very much anymore, at least very good ones. And uh, one of the last great rom-coms I saw also happened to star Zoe Kazan. It was called What If? It was with her and Daniel Radcliffe. And that is a perfect rom-com. Um, and this is also a perfect rom-com. It's, um, I would say, not as classically rom-com as um, most of them are. It um, definitely like tells a very human story. And it's, I will say the one thing that it does have going for it um, in relation to other rom-coms is that it is incredibly funny. Um, I laughed during this movie so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> my, I saw it twice. I saw it a few weeks ago, and then I saw it this week. And both times, the audience I was with just couldn't stop laughing at this movie. Um, it seems like such a serious subject, but this is no, like, Nicholas Sparks girl dying movie. This movie, like, has the jokes. So if that is a concern... Um, if you don't want to like be depressed during the summer, you should not be worried about that. Um, that being said, it, it does have its like fair share of like really beautiful emotional moments. Um, like you said, Lawson, the stuff that Ray Romano and um, Holly Hunter are doing in this movie blows my mind mm -hmm. i uh -huh. love them both so much as performers i'm really into ray romano these days guys after watching this movie <laughs> twice i'm like i gotta get me some more ray romano content um yeah. he's doing great in dramatic roles lately yeah so and of course holly hunter is just amazing like there's no surprise in how good she is because she's always mm -hmm. that good but She's really fucking good. Like, she, <laughs> this movie just makes me in awe of her. Um, the writing in this movie, I think, is, even though you have all these incredible performers, Zoe Kazan is an excellent actress. Kumail is a great lead. Um, lead. Um, his The people that play his parents um, are so good in this movie. Um, his mom made me laugh almost every time she was talking. <laughs> and... Uh, you have all these amazing performances, but the best thing about this movie is the writing. Uh, this movie is, the story is so well-crafted, and they're able to fit multiple romances into one movie. You have um, 
the romance that is the basis of the movie, but you also have the romance between um, Ray Romano and Holly Hunter, and you sort of have like a romance between Kumail's character and these parents of Ray Romano and Holly Hunter that he's meeting for the first time. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked a lot about the premise of this movie because we're kind of unsure about what's a spoiler and what's isn't, but um, all this to say we know that, um, and hopefully you know if you're listening, that Kumail Nanjiani meets a girl, kind of starts to fall for her, she gets sick, and then she, he meets her parents as well. And um, so it has some of those meet-the-parent vibes. It has, uh, in a way that is, like, so much more true to life and less wacky, um, but still uncomfortable and hilarious. I There's lines in this movie that I feel like I will be quoting for a long time. Um, I have... I don't think I have a single criticism of it. Um, I'm anxious to get into spoilers talk with y'all. So do y'all have anything that like you wish people would have known going into this or things that you might want to discuss like to criticize it? I have, I have very, very few criticisms. I think any criticisms I have, we would have to wait and talk about in spoilers. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to say this isn't, I don't even think this is relevant, but like it's a very soft R like yeah that's a good point to bring up yeah they uh, they say fuck a couple times and that's most of what it is i think there's a couple of scenes that are like right before and right after sex but it's not this movie is yeah. not explicit it's really like there's uh, there's no sex scenes there is making out before sex and that is literally like it i i think the f words are really what does it in for that r rating so um, it's almost like a, basically a family film. I told my coworker that he should take his teenage daughters to go see it with him. Um, because I think it's so incredibly good and appropriate. So yeah. if that's something that is like concerning you about who you can take to see this movie, I don't think you should be concerned about it. Yeah. And that's something I really appreciated too, was rather than thinking about, you know, if we just take out this language this movie could be PG-13 and get a much larger audience. Um, they kept the kind of severe language that people would use if, you know, they found out that their daughter was very sick or if um, they're going through a really tough time with their your relationship or whatever it is. All these things that are really some of the hardest things you go through in life. If, if you're in those scenarios, you're not going to say, well, crud. So, like, I, I really appreciated that they kept it true to that, even though... Um, the rating system is what it is, and I agree. I think it's a, a great movie to bring uh, your you know teenager to. I think anyone will will enjoy this, unless that um, certain words are a real deep deal breaker for you. This movie is is completely great and will be so warm and charming. <laughs> if those words are a real deal breaker for you, you're listening to the wrong podcast. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. Um. So. Yeah, I would say take everyone to go see this movie. Um, I think this is an important movie to see, not only because it's like a great, beautiful love story, and not only because it's a return to form of like great romantic comedies, but because this movie humanizes so many people and issues that are like, have a hard time being humanized right now. Um, and so it's great for conversations. 
uh, this would be a great. I would take my parents to go to see this movie in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that is just like kind of an additional reason to see it. Not the main reason to see it, but it's a good additional reason. Um, so yeah, please go see this movie because it is it is a gem. Are y'all ready to talk spoilers? Let's do it. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's gonna happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Okay, so, um, I knew going into this that this movie was about Emily going into a coma. And a lot of the trailers, I think, also bring that up. But, um, I'm very interested to hear from someone, and I don't think that's any of us, that, um, didn't know how this movie was going to play out before watching it. Yeah, I, I, I would say I, I knew she didn't die, obviously. Um, but I didn't know, and I knew they would eventually wind up together. I didn't know it was going to end with them the way it did, like the way kind of that, that journey takes. And we don't actually make it all the way um, through that journey together. We just kind of come back part of the way of, kind of them starting to work on fixing their relationship with that thought I thought was really great I didn't like I'm really glad we didn't go all the way to a proposal or something like that like I thought this was the perfect place to kind of wrap this story up yeah but I think with any movie like this I never have the thought of well maybe they'll just go their separate ways (laughs) at the end of this so Yeah. yeah I think that ending is so beautiful because yeah. I feel like in a lesser movie, you would have had Kumail do his big presentation to her at her party, and it would have been a little bit more endearing and less awkward. Um, he would show all of his dedication to her, and she would be wooed by that, you know? She would have been like, oh, things were weird when you showed up at my hospital, but now that I see what a changed man you are... Um, I, you know, let's do this. And I loved that they, the character of Emily is very smart and she's studying to be a therapist and she understands how to express herself in a way that's like emotionally healthy. Um, it's one of the things I love the most about the real life Emily and, and every interview I've ever heard her in is that she is able to honestly say, look, I'm glad you went through this, but that's something that was like your journey. It's not mine. And yeah. I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. Right. Yeah. And that felt so true <laughs> to me. The whole thing, uh, there are a lot of conversation, like the fights that they had felt really true. Um, that conversation that they had felt really true. The, the fight between, um, and there's a lot of tension between uh, Holly Hunter and Ray Romano, but there was one particular fight where yep. Ray Romano, um, says oh something like i can play the rest of this from memory or something like that and it was so that's such a perfect line it was it told you so much about those characters in just an instant and um you know whenever it was revealed that he had had an affair um that wasn't necessarily what i thought it was going to be concerning like i just you know maybe their marriage just like having troubles but like you 
you get to know those characters and honestly like fall in love with those characters so much in this movie and that's something i've never seen before like you mentioned meet the parents and there's definitely some elements of that in this and as so far of like meeting and it's always awkward to meet the parents of like somebody who you're sleeping with or whatever but um it's it's so much more a story of like how much family matters um and how much the family of the person you're marrying matters whether it's you know good or bad or otherwise um and having the relationship between Kumail and Emily's parents come together in that way was something I've I've never seen on screen and I really really loved because they that's something that just doesn't get talked about I remember um you know there have been several close friends and family members who have dated somebody seriously for a long time and then their relationship ended and uh, parents of those people have said, you know, like, I know it's your life and it's like, it's your decision, but honestly, this is such a bummer because I don't get to see them anymore. Like, there is a relationship that goes on between family, between the person that you're with and that person's parents and I think the way that they uh, explore that relationship in this movie was just gorgeous. Yeah, um, that fight scene with Ray Romano and Holly Hunter, they show this clip in the trailer, but the way she kind of stalks around him in a circle is, I'm obsessed with that um, choreography and that shot. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I, there's a line in this movie that makes me laugh so hard in the trailer and in the movie, you know, makes me very emotional and it's when Ray Romano and Kumail are having kind of a heart to heart and Ray Romano goes, um, something, it's something about, you know, if it's, that's, it's not easy. Love isn't easy. That's why they call it love. And it makes no sense whatsoever. That line doesn't mean anything. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that's why I love it so much. It's so funny to me. And that is, a, that is something I will be thinking of for years and years to come is, that's why they call it love. <laughs> oh, that um, to me is kind of the anti-movie move too. It's just like right. here's a phrase that doesn't mean anything that you'll basically think is scripture because it's in a script. Like, and then we're gonna call <laughs> yeah. it out, right? Yeah. Like that doesn't yeah. make sense to me either. <laughs> um, I, you know, we didn't talk about it much, but the storyline between Kumail and his family mm-hmm. also is so meaningful. Um, you know. It's it's very specific in that we haven't had lots of stories about Muslim families and the expectations. But it is also mm-hmm. incredibly relatable because almost everyone has been in a family where your parents have very specific expectations for you that you cannot fulfill. Um, and that is playing itself out in just a different context. But it's still something that I... Could relate so strongly to. Um, I loved the characterization of all his different family members and his relationship with them. Um, and it's so crazy to me that like they ma- they started making this movie a long time ago. It's based on real events. Nothing about this movie is like a political ploy, and yet it's coming out in a time of year where the two issues that it kind of deals with are the two most important issues in politics today. 
Um, <laughs> it deals with immigrants and it deals with health care. And, <laughs> yeah. and without meaning to, they made an incredibly relevant movie. Um, that is so cool to me. Um, and it's something that, again, why I hope a lot of people see it. Yeah, I, my, I tried to go see this uh, this weekend. Or not this weekend. I tried to go see it on Saturday, and it was sold out. Oh. I, it was not a movie that I thought would be sold out, so I didn't like pre-buy tickets. Yeah. Um, and then the screening that I went to on Sunday was also sold out. Wow. So I, I, I mean, I made it in, but at, I'm so shocked how many people. I, I love it. I, but I love how many people are going to this movie and seeing it. Um, and it was. It was also the loudest laughter I've had in a theater yes. in a very long time. Like, everyone was laughing out loud at everything. It was so good. Let me tell you, the joke that got the biggest, craziest laugh in both of my theaters um, was Kumail's 9-11 joke. Oh, um, yeah. That joke <laughs> really did it. And it. I think it's so funny that of all the jokes in the movie that is the one that like really kills people i mean um, yeah <laughs> it has so much going for it not the least of which is how completely contextually terrible it is like it's such <laughs> right. a the worst time to tell that oh it's so true yeah oh that yeah. that joke really does it it's amazing um, mm -hmm. i'm also i'm trying to think if there was other things that i want to bring i want us to bring up um I thought it you was... Know, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I thought it was really interesting seeing uh, a portrayal of arranged marriages. I'm completely unfamiliar with that world yes. and everything about yeah. that um, cultural difference. And um, I feel like the only places that I've seen that represented has been, like, evil parents in, like, Disney movies right. or something. Like, this is who you have to marry. And you're like, no, I want to marry for love. And it's like, there's a moral judgment placed on both. Um, whereas this kind of showed it like a, like a, almost like a dating service. Um, and yeah. like, yeah, there are a lot of expectations wrapped up with that. And there's, you know, moral uh, conversations you can have within that. But I felt like this movie did a really good job of showing that it wasn't what Kumail wanted, but it, it didn't place a, a judgment on that cultural practice, um, overall. Like it talked about his brother and, um how that relationship was really good and how his parents' relationship was really good, even though they were the result of this, um, that way of, of meeting your spouse. Um, oh, one other small thing before we jump into other things is I loved knowing what bi meant. Like, I mean, it's pretty easy to pick up from context that that meant brother because they would just be like, hey, bye, I need to talk to you about something. But I specifically yeah. knew what that word meant because I had watched Hassan Minaj's stand-up special where he yeah. talks about how his little sister always <laughs> called him Hasambai. And I was like, that's so cool. So just yeah. all of, like, it is so meaningful to me that these stories and these experiences that I've never had and that I have not been exposed to are all coming out at one time. And now I feel like a, a person, a, a more, my, broad, my horizons feel so much broader and I feel like I am understanding people and the nuances of their humanity in whole new ways. Um, and... So yeah, that was just a small little thing, but um, yeah, but in particular, arranged yeah. marriages was something that I was like, oh, that's another thing I've never seen. Yeah, yeah. I wanted I the I I would say well, like one of the few like kind of things I wanted more out of this movie was more of his relationship with I I guess his sister in law and his mom. Like his mom was hilarious, and they had. 
they had great, great chemistry in this movie. Yeah. But I wanted to hear more from her and the sister-in-law about the arranged marriage. And just like, just like how they feel in that. Because we, we heard a little bit from the dad, a little bit from the brother. Um, but in general, I wanted more of that. And then also more kind of their perspective on it as yeah. well. Um, also, I felt, I, it felt really weird for me. And this might just be a Crazy Ex-Girlfriend thing. But when Vila Lobo, who plays Heather from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, it, it totally felt weird for her to be one of those girls um, in, the, in, the, in this movie. Because she's, she's from New Mexico and half black and half white. And so for her to play a Pakistani Muslim <laughs> felt super weird for me. But, I mean, I get, like, casting-wise, like, she, I can see why she, like, she looks very South Asian. So. But just watching her do the accent to me, like, inside, I was like, oh, this feels a little weird. Yeah. But I don't know if you guys had that That's, reaction at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I had no idea that that was her. I thought she was South Asian, and whenever I had seen her in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and whenever I saw her in this movie. So, casting-wise, it made sense, but that is kind of strange. Or, like, yeah. appearance-wise, it made sense, but it is, yeah. yeah. Right, 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 right. I really want to talk about, very briefly, um, we don't get a ton of time with just Kumail and Emily's romance because Emily, you know, kind of leaves the movie for a major part of yeah. it. Um, yeah. But the moments that we do get between the two of them were very special to me. This movie really made me want another rom-com with Kumail as the lead, where we get more of him being like a charming romantic lead uh, because he's really good at it. Um, I'm a big fan of rom-com male leads that are actually funny and not just like hot saying funny lines, you know? Yeah. Um, so like I, Kumail is really great in this. Uh, Bill Hader was like great in Trainwreck as someone who is like charming and sexy and romantic, but also can like truly pull off the comedy. Um, and that's part of what makes them charming and sexy. And uh, Kumail, I think, really pulls it off. And uh, I love the moments that we got of him, like, um, seducing Emily and just being a romantic partner. Um, I hope to see more of that from him. Because I know that he is also a fellow rom-com lover. Um, Hugh Grant is, like, and Hugh Grant rom-coms and Richard Curtis rom-coms are, like, a big mm -hmm. influence on him. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to see more from him in this genre. I'm hoping to see more of this genre. I yes. think I, I, I honestly think with kind of how well this is doing and how people are, are taking to this, I think this is a chance for us to get a revival of not the, I feel like a lot of genres go through this where you have, um, you have, you have good movies and then that becomes big and so then you have bad movies of it and then it becomes so stereotypical that then it gets parodied and then people don't do it. I feel like it happened with like James Bond, it happens with westerns and it happens it's happening now I think with rom-coms, but I think we're at a point to where like this movie could help revitalize and make better <laughs> rom-coms, which I'd be excited about. Yeah. And I th think a lot of what this movie does that could really revitalize that is you know the old line like it's it only happens that way in the movies, that kind of thing. This this movie is not a it only happens that way in the movies kind of film. And I think there's so much ground still un unturned 
um, when it comes to talking about uh, romantic stories that uh, that play out in in messy and interesting ways, like this movie does. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to quickly recommend um, four other rom coms that have are recent movies that remind like feel a lot like this movie. If you loved this movie okay. and you're wanting more like really good rom coms. Um, Four recent ones, Obvious Child, one of my favorite movies. Yes. Um, In a World is a really great one. Uh, yep. What If, that I mentioned earlier with Daniel Radcliffe and mm-hmm. Zoe Kazan. Um, and Sleeping with Other People is another really great rom-com. Um, those are ones that I would recommend. It's like, these are good movies with really great actors in them. Um telling a funny romantic story so i would recommend listening to watching those get back to us after you watch them all and talk to me about how you now are obsessed with rom-coms um is there anything else y'all want to say before we wrap up i think that's it yeah, yeah go see it take everyone yes yep okay well thank you for listening if you saw the big sick let us know what you thought about it um you can contact us online at feeling it pod on twitter and um, you can find me personally online at Sandra Amstutz. So my last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Lawson, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me on social media platforms at Lawson West. And you can find me everywhere on the internet at Lucas and Stuff. Thank you for listening, guys. Bye-bye. Later. Adios. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away, Rick. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Yeah. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 